What's going on, guys? It's Rough Life Podcast here, and we're back for another video. It's been, it's been a while, guys. But basically, today we're going to be talking about um, major penalties, and some of the topics, we're going to cover three main topics today, and those three are probably going to be, well, they are going to be, how do you assess a major penalty? My experiences with major penalties, as well as how to avoid getting yelled at by coaches, fans, and players when you assess one. So the first one we're going to start off with is how do you assess a major penalty? Now, the first thing you want to remember when you're assessing a major penalty is that you want to stay calm. You don't want to be freaking out. You don't want to be all hyper. And I've made this mistake a few times, and it's it's human nature to get excited when a fight happens or a check from behind. You 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 get overly excited, right? And sometimes that's that's what happens. Um, but as a referee, you have to control your emotions. You can't let that show. Even on the inside, if you want to be jumping up and down, screaming, yeah, 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 there's a fight. It's awesome, whatever, right? You can't, you can't, you can't do that out loud, okay? So basically, how I would assess one. So let's say there's uh, number fourteen blue. He's going straight down into the corner, and number fifteen red comes in from behind him, and cross checks him straight across the back, right in the numbers, head first. He goes head first into the boards, right? Um, way I would do it is I'd raise my hand to signal a penalty right away. As soon as the red team would touch the puck, I'd obviously blow down the play. I'd, I'd buy the the two um the two second rule. So for checking from behind, I'm BC Hockey in Hockey Canada, right? So for the checking from behind rule, is there's a separate penalty for it, right? And so what I do is I do the two second rule. So I'd raise my hand, blow the play down. One two, I'd count two seconds. Then I'd point at the player. First two seconds, one two. Then I'd make my signal, one, two. I'd make the checking from behind signal. And then I'd get my linesman to skate over to to grab the player that committed the infraction. And I'd skate over to the timekeeper's box, inform my linesman first that he's getting a major penalty for checking from behind, and then inform the timekeepers of the call. That's what I would do to make it run as smoothly as possible. Now, there's not always going to be... Um, it's not always going to be that smooth, right? Sometimes there's going to be hiccups. Sometimes it's going to be like they're going to yell at you. They'll be pissed off. And sometimes the coach will call me over. So most of the time when you assess a major penalty, the coach is going to call you over. He's going to want to talk to you. He's going to want an explanation on what happened, right? So the best way in handling that, from my personal experience, is to actually... um actually stay like I said stay calm you always want to be calm as an official right you always want to make sure that um that you're not getting hyper because what happens when you get hyper is that the coaches are gonna start getting hyper they're gonna be like yeah if you get angry and you're yelling towards them is they're gonna start yelling back towards you right because they want to try and match you and we'll talk about in a later episode about um We'll talk about how to deal with coaches that are yelling at you and players, right? So most of the time, back to the topic, most of the time when you assess a penalty, a major penalty, they're going to go and they're going to want to talk to you about it. So you're going to go to the penalty box, or sorry, not the penalty box, the bench. Sorry, I'm really tired, guys. Um, You're going to go to the penalty, or you're going to go to the bench. You know what I guys know what I mean. You're going to go to the penalty bench, and you're going to go to the bench, okay? I'm sorry. You're going to go to the bench, 
and you're going to go and you're going to inform the coach of your decision. And what you want to say to the coach is you want to inform him of your thought process. So everything you thought from the moment you saw the penalty to the moment to the moment that you're that's the present right now, you're going to want to explain everything to the coach. So in this case, I'd say, coach, I had a clear vision. I was standing right on the ringette line. I saw it, the play come in perfectly. I had the perfect angle. Number 14, blue, was skating into the boards to retrieve a loose puck. Number 15, red, came in and extended his arms to, to commit a cross-check. He cross-checked the player from behind directly into the boards, um, resulting in a checking from behind penalty. I immediately raised my arm to call the penalty. I then assess the penalty, and now I'm talking to you. That is what you want to say to the coach. Very simple. Another thing to mention is that the coaches want to be at eye level with you or as close to eye level as you can. If you're like me, I'm a pretty short guy, right? Not all coaches are short. But sometimes, and I see this a lot with younger officials, is that the coach will stand up on the bench. They'll stand on the bench. They're lean on the sideboards, right? You want to ask them politely, hey, coach, do me a favor. Come down. We can have a conversation face-to-face. I'm not going to talk to you while you're standing above me, right? And the reason for this is you don't want to be intimidated, right? And it's hard not to get intimidated, especially when you're, like, 12 years old or if you're just starting out officiating. I'll never forget my first experience when I called a major penalty was in my second year of refing. I was about 13 or 14 years old. I think I was 13. And basically what happened was um, it was actually a checking from behind penalty. And it was kind of like the example. The guy went down to retrieve the loose puck and he got checked from behind. The guy had his shoulder down and ran him from behind into the boards. Um, so I raised my hand to assess the penalty, like, like I just said, and I did all that stuff, right? And then obviously, the, your, every time you're handing out a major penalty, the coaches are going to want some reasoning behind that, right? And so I gave them my reasoning, and I said, this is the reason why. Now, the problem with this is that I originally called it a two-minute boarding call. Because from my angle, I wasn't in the best position. I was standing up on the hash marks, and it happened, like, down in behind the net. However, my linesman saw that it was um, my linesman saw that it was a vicious hit and there was intent there and the, the degree of violence was high. So I went to the timekeeper and I changed the call from two minutes to five in a game for checking for behind. Both my linesmen agreed, and that's the that's some of the problem, right? You have to be able to be clear on your call, especially when you're explaining something to coach. So in that case scenario, this little thirteen year old's going over to explain to some. High-level hockey coach, this rep hockey coach that I changed the call because my linesman had a better view of the play, and they informed me that this is what the this is what the call that I should make, and so I'm adhering to that. Given I was not in a great position to call the to call the play, and my linesmen were, and they saw everything, so that's what happened. I changed the call, and that's basically the end of that story. The coach was pissed off at first, and after I explained it to him, he's like, "Yeah, okay, I kind of understand that." But what you got to realize is that you guys can't be intimidated. I keep stressing this because it's like if you go in there and you're talking to a coach and you're shaking, you're kind of shaking, you're, you can tell that you're visibly nervous. He's going to try and exploit that to try and get you to reverse your call, right? And there's been times that I've done that. And there has been times that I've reversed our, my call. And I've done that about once or twice throughout my entire career as refing. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen, right? There is some times where you point a goal to the net and then you realize that the puck didn't go in. And there is times where you call a penalty and you raise your arm and you realize that... Um, 
that you jumped the gun and there wasn't a penalty. Like, I remember a time when um, I was I was actually refing some house um some house kids and they were playing right and i see this kid line up for this big open ice hit and he's skating and right before he makes contact with the player i raise my hand but in that split second that i raise my hand the player swerves out of the way and doesn't hit the player well what, what do i do now here he kind of grazes the player right the kid doesn't even fall down what do I do now? Well, I have my hand raised. I can't take down my hand. What I can do is I can go, I can assess the penalty as um, as I normally would, as if it were a real call, um, as if it were, what's it called, a real penalty that I was calling. And then I can go and say to my linesman, hey, do you have body checking on that? And if both of them say no or one of them says no, then we can go and we can reassess, right? So we went there and I reassessed with my linesman and they both agreed with me that it shouldn't have been a penalty. And so I skated over to the coach and informed him that I jumped the gun, the face-off will be outside the zone, and um, I'm sorry for that, I'm sorry that I stopped the play. Now the coach had no problem with that, given that this is when I was a younger official too, same age, probably like 13, 12, 13, and he had no problem with that. So like... Any official, I said, thank you for understanding, coach, and I went to drop the puck. That's just an example of going back on your call. If you go up to the coach and say, coach, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I'm trying to get the right call. I'm sorry. And that's basically what um, happened in that scenario. Now, if you go over to the coach and you say sorry to him, that's kind of like a slippery slope, right? If sometimes you have to kind of gauge the situation. In that situation, the coach was very calm all game. He's very nice to me. And so I said, hey, I'll go over there and I'll tell him that I screwed up. You don't want to do that if you have a coach that's been yelling at you for the first two periods. If he's been yelling at you and he's getting angry at you, you don't want to go over and apologize. What I'd do in that case scenario is I'd put the player in the box. And if he questions you, I'd go over and I'd say, coach, I know I jumped the gun, but I raised my hand and I have to stick with the call. And then I'd, and then if he said something back to that, depending on what he'd say, you'd either respond or you'd give him a bench minor or whatever he said. You'd assess the situation and do it. Or not do it, but you'd, you know what I mean, assess the situation and go from there. Um, another example that I had was when um, I was actually this year, there was a play in this Adam A1, I was in this Adam A1 tournament, and um, just for some extra money, and this kid came up to me, and he said, can you watch 14, whatever the color was, I'm just using 14 and 15 as numbers, I said, alright, whatever, I'll watch him, I'll make sure to do it, so the next play, he's out there, and this number 14 kid comes in from behind, and he's chasing the guy around the net, and he's chasing um, a player around the net he trips the player and um it wasn't really a trip it was more like the, he got a skate near the thing but I didn't I didn't think it was a trip so I didn't call it well this player goes up and headlocks the kid now he doesn't punch him or anything he kind of just like doesn't really he just kind of just sits there with his arm around his head so I'm like okay well there's a penalty I raise my arm to signal a penalty and um I was going to signal a roughing penalty. And this kid pushes the other kid off of him, gets up, and takes a full punch at the other kid. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there's another penalty. 
So I ended up, I didn't give a major penalty, but I gave four minutes for head contact, and I gave a two-minute um, penalty to the um, other player, the player that supposedly tripped him for unnecessary roughness or roughing. And the, the coaches, they agreed with my call. They both said that, hey, yeah, this was the right call to make. And they, they were understanding, right? And I've known these coaches. I've reffed them a few times. And so they were, they were nice, and they understood. So I was like, okay. And the next, the next time I played these guys, or I refed these guys, it was the next year later. And so basically um, what happened was that their player, their, it was a very, it was a very uh, rough game, right, guys? And so um, basically what happened during the game is that there was a guy who was skating around behind the net and he basically boarded some kid. And so I raised my hand to signal the penalty. And I raised my hand to signal the penalty. And I go from there. So me and the other guy, we were two men in this game. Me and the other guy, we both, you know, raise our hands to signal the penalty. And the kid boards the another kid. And so I was like, all right, then it's going to be, we're going to get two for boarding. Well, the kid on the other team that got boarded goes up behind him, goes up behind the player that I called the boarding call on, and proceeds to say, ha-ha. Well, this player, the player that got the boarding penalty, just snaps. Like, he completely snaps. He turns around and punches the other kid in the head. And I was like, oh, okay. So me and both guys are, me and my other, my me and my partner, my other colleague, we were thinking, yep, this guy's punched a kid. He's going to get four minutes for head contact plus the boarding. And so we're like, okay. And then... Number 10 on the other team comes in and completely blows this kid up, cross-checks him. Well, all his teammates start jumping in, and all the other teammates start jumping in. So now we've got a shoving match. Meanwhile, during the shoving match, behind us, I look behind me, and number 10 and the kid that got the boarding penalty are going full at each other. They're scrapping at each other, right? And so me and my partner, we go in, and we break it up, right? We go in there. And we break up the fight. And mind you, this was not a fair fight. This, the kid that got the boarding call against him was about I don't know about five two, and the kid with the um, the kid with the um number ten, he was about like four eleven or something. So it wasn't really a fair scrap, fair fight. Um, but anyways, the five foot two kid gets on top of the. Um, number 10, and starts wailing away on him. So me and my partner are in there, and we're, we're yanking him off. And we yank him off, and this is one example where you have to be stern with players. And the player was resisting us as we were pulling him off. And I said, dude, if you resist again, you're going to get another penalty, and it's not going to be a minor penalty. And he understood what I was getting at, and so he skated away, and I skated him out of the rink, or out of the, out of the playing area. To the bench, and I said, I skated into the penalty box, and I said, wait here. And so they both waited in the penalty box, and they're chirping at each other. That's whatever. Um, but basically, what happened was there there was kids still shoving. So we go in there and we break up that. We end up giving the two kids that were scrapping five minutes each for fighting and a game misconduct. I don't know how it is in your region, but in our region, which is Hockey Canada, it basically says that every time you give someone a five-minute penalty, it automatically comes with a game misconduct. So if I give you five minutes for interference, it comes with a game misconduct. If you get five minutes for fighting, it comes with a game misconduct. 
So we give them five in a game for fighting, right? Well, before this happened, there was a player on the, the it's called the white team, and I was on the bench, and he said, um, this was a rough game, right? We were calling a lot of penalties on this one team because they were rough. They were hooking, a lot of stick work going on. And so we called penalties, and the timekeeper's like, yeah, good calls every time we called one, right? And so basically what happened was that after we called one and we were lining up for the face-off, I was basically, this is the two-man system, so I was standing by the player's bench. And what happened was the player came and he said, um, he said, I'm going to effing kill everybody on the ice. And I turned to him and I say, hey, um, I say, hey, you know, I can give you a penalty for that. Don't say it again. He proceeds to tell me to shut the F up and call me a homophobic slur. So I blow my whistle and assess a gross misconduct. And that's the first time I've assessed a gross misconduct. And gross misconducts are used for vulgar language, homophobic, and racial language. And he used a homophobic slur. If he didn't use a homophobic slur, I probably just would have given him a 10-minute misconduct. Or I probably would have given him a bench minor penalty. But considering he used a homophobic slur, I decided that a uh, gross misconduct was the way to go for the call. And so I called it, and he was pissed off, and I told him to leave, and so he left. And then the fight happened, right? And the coach is just going off. He's livid. He's like, you're really screwing us tonight, ref. Come on. You suck. You suck. Whatever. He's just laying into me and my partner about how bad we've been all night. And mind you, the penalty sheet only has, like, 10 spaces for penalties, and there's, like, at least 11 or 12 penalties. It was a really high penalty game. And the coach is like, their score box doesn't even have any. And I'm like, coach, calm it down. And I said very sternly, coach, calm it down or you're going to be receiving a penalty. He's like, oh, whatever. And I'm like, coach, this is your last chance. And I said it very firmly. And then he kept yelling. So what I did next was I didn't yell back at him, which I see a lot of young officials doing, kind of arguing with them. What I did in that scenario is I blew my whistle. I went, I blew my whistle, whatever. And that kind of shut him up. He's like, oh, what and I'm like stop I told you to stop next word out of your mouth is going to be a penalty and he said okay and walked to the other end of the bench and so basically that's how I diffused the situation I diffused it by being stern with him I didn't go and I didn't say oh that's okay coach I'm sorry in those case scenarios where he's yelling at you you got to be firm you got to say coach that's enough next word penalty box and he'll get the message and if he doesn't then you assess a bench minor penalty um, another thing I wanted to talk about was misconducts. Um, I know in Hockey Canada, BC Hockey, where I'm from, basically you have to, if you assess, it's a new rule this year, if you assess a 10-minute misconduct, you don't have to report it. And it is a major penalty, but it's not a 5-minute major penalty, so it doesn't come with a game misconduct. So basically when you assess a 10, the player just sits in the penalty box for 10 minutes, it doesn't go up on the board, they just have to sit there for 10 minutes or go to their dressing room. Now, the old rule used to be that if you went to the, if you gave out a 10-minute misconduct in the last 10 minutes of a game, you would have to write it up and the player would be suspended. Not anymore. The only time in hockey in BC, or Hockey Canada, I'm pretty sure, that you have to write up a ga- uh, misconduct is if you give two misconducts to the same player in one game. So in the first period, if number 10 is chirping me and yelling, and I give him a 10-minute misconduct, that's one. In the third period, if he comes back and he's still doing it, and I give him another, that's two, and he'll be out of the game. And that'll come with a game misconduct. The second one will be a game misconduct. And so then, basically, you'll have to write that up as a report. Basically, that's what happens. Reports are not that hard, especially in Hockey Canada. Everybody hates them. 
honestly, I don't have a problem with them. I don't like doing them, but I don't have a problem with them. So, honestly, just get down to it. And the, the, the best way to get in there is just dive yourself in. I did practice reports. So, basically, on our website or our report formatting system, the way we report stuff is on a website. So, you can go in and create a fake thing where you can just practice writing reports. And so... I'd make up calls in my head and stuff. This is when I was first year official, and I just wanted to get, I was really excited, right? So I'd do this, and I'd get it, and that helped me for the first time when I had to call a major penalty, when I had to write a report, was the first time that I was prepared to do that, and I knew what to do. And um, I had friends who were roughing at the time and say, and they'd call a major penalty, and they'd call me and say, I have no idea how to do a report. And I would be like, okay, well, you do this, you do that blah 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 and I'd walk them through it right and this just goes to show you the importance of clinics I don't know in the U.S. I'm from Canada so and I know in BC hockey in Canada in order to be official you have to go to a certification clinic which I'm sure you have to do in a lot of places but every year you have to recertify and one of the things they talk about it's one of the most boring things but it's probably one of the most important is how to write reports if you do get yourself into a situation where you have to write a report for a major penalty Pay attention in that thing, and I'm urging you, pay attention in that segment of the course because it teaches you, it prepares you. So if that situation does arise, you're prepared for that situation, and you can handle it to the best of your ability. And basically what's going to happen is if you start getting known as a reputation for having good reports and reputation for good reports and you make they know you have good decisions, when you request an evaluator, they'll come in and they'll evaluate you, right? At least with my association, that's what they do. So they, came, they come in and they evaluate you and they give feedback to the referee in chief and they'll say, okay, you're upgraded or not. Well, if the referee in chief knows, hey, this guy writes very thorough, very detailed reports, I know he's good judgment, and the evaluators say all his skating, all the stuff is like that is good. His puck drop is good. I'm going to bump this guy up because he seems like he knows what to do in crisis or in a situation, right? And that's what you got to do. You can't second-guess yourself, guys. Um, which brings me to the third point and the final point of the podcast is how to avoid getting yelled at. There's many ways to get yelled at during hockey games by coaches by fans and I've been yelled at even at by players to avoid getting yelled at you want to be firm and concisive with your calls and you want to stick with them right and there's going to be some case scenarios like I talked about earlier where you have to you know go back on your call or whatever but you mainly want to stick with your calls even if it's questionable but you think yeah I mean it was questionable but I do think a hit was there so I'm going to stick with my call you have to be firm with your call. And if a player is arguing with you, explain your reasoning. Make sure he has an A or a C on his jersey. If he doesn't, he can still talk to you, but I wouldn't recommend it. A's and C's are probably the best ones to talk to. Alternate captains and captains I'm referring to by A's and C's. And tell them, and they'll go back and tell their coach. And if a coach is yelling at you, how to avoid getting yelled at with a coach is you want to go up and you want to make your decisions clear. And if a coach asks you, you want to skate up to him, and you want to get him down at eye level, respect him. And my main motto is if you respect me out there, I'll respect you. If you're nice to me, if you're nice to me, I'm probably going to call, I'm going to still call it fair and safe like we're taught, but I'm going to call it probably a little less lax. I'm probably going to let them play a bit more, right? Which is mainly my motto. Other officials are different, but my motto is let them play, let them have fun, right? Hockey's a, hockey's a physical sport. It's going to get rough, especially in rep. But the difference is, if I'm roughing a rep game and a house game, a rep penalty 
that I'll call is that I won't call or a house penalty that occurs in rep hockey, I probably won't call because I know rep hockey's advanced level. There's more riding on the games. It's higher level of hockey. There's going to be more physical contact, and that's just the fact. That's basically what rep hockey is. It's faster speed, faster pace, and more physical. That's why people play rep. And so you have to take that into consideration, right? And so I've had a few situations where I've been explained by the managers and stuff after the game that their coach was a call-up from a house team. Or not a call-up, but their kid played house last year, and this is their first year playing rep. And so something I've called in house, like a simple trip or something like that, I may not call in in I may not call it in rep because it's I wouldn't classify it as a penalty. And the reason for that is, like I said, it's a higher level of hockey. And so basically it takes me back to the point of how to avoid getting yelled at. You want to explain that to the coach. You want to vocalize that to the coach. So basically he knows what you're thinking, and you want to get him down an eye level. If he's standing above you, you want to get him to step down so you can have a talk talk with him. And like I said, back to the if you respect me, I'll respect you part of it, right? If a coach is sitting there yelling at me, screaming at me, he's not respecting me. So therefore, I'm not going to respect him. I'm still going to have a level of professionalism. I'm still going to be professional on the outside, but on the inside, I'm thinking, okay, this guy is yelling at me. I'm I'm probably going to be leaning towards a more severe penalty if he does occur, if one does occur. Well, if the guy's if the guy's super nice and nonchalant to me, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, if he says something, he's probably just up in the heat of the moment. He's been nice to me all game. He's respected me, so I'm going to respect him by not giving him a penalty here. But I'm still going to tell him. I'm still going to be professional and tell him that this this is not okay, and you cannot say this again. And I'd give him kind of a warning thing. But if a coach just doesn't respect me, then I won't give him enough respect to give him a warning. I'll just give him a bench minor penalty, especially if it's offense, like he's swearing at me. And we'll go in another episode, we'll go into how to, um, basically how to deal with coaches and fans and parents and players yelling at you. That might be the next episode. But one last kind of story here for you guys is just kind of like a preview of next episode. I had a coach once who wasn't respecting me. And so I only bring this up because it's the respect and respect thing. That's why I bring it up. So he wasn't respecting me. He was basically just laying into me all game, yelling at me. And so I was like, all right, I'm done. I had enough. And I said, coach, next word is a penalty. And he yelled, oh, F you, F you, F this, F that, F the players and stuff. So I said, all right. I blew my whistle. I said, coach, here's a Benjamin penalty. You need to go sit one player in the box. And he he didn't. He's like, no, I'm not putting a player in the box. I'm like, coach, you're going to get another penalty. Not a bench minor this time, but a game misconduct. And you're going to be kicked out of the game. I need you to put a player in the box or you'll be getting another penalty for delay of game. I need you to put a player in the box. And so he's like, whatever. And the Richmond coach, or I can't remember. I don't. It wasn't Richmond. It was like another... It was another association. I don't know what it was. It wasn't Richmond, though. I don't live in Richmond. Because I was playing Richmond in the tournament. That's why. But basically, um, what happened was I literally just had a hockey tournament of my own, and we played a Richmond team, and we lost. So that's why I said Richmond, and the coaches were angry. So that's why I said Richmond. But um, anywho, the, um, the coach of the other team was basically saying to the coach that was yelling at me, saying, dude, just calm it down. 
just put a player in the box. Well, the coach that was yelling at me goes over to the other team's bench and starts yelling at their coach. And at that point, I'm like, okay, this is enough. You don't go over to the other team's bench. And I gave him a game misconduct. And he kept yelling, and and I told him to leave. I'm not starting the game until he left. And so he, he left after a good five minutes of screaming and more yelling. And it was his Adam A2, or A1. It was his Adam A1 hockey team. And Adam kids, this is my first or second year of officiating. Adam kids are small, man. They're like grade six and seven. Yeah, I'm sure they've heard it. I mean, when I was in grade six and seven, I heard it as well. But to hear that coming from a coach where you have respect and fair play in sports, when you have to take courses like that in order to become a coach, is not acceptable. That's not acceptable in the least. I don't have any time for a coach like that. So he left. And the real rule from where I is, or from where I am, is that you have to, um, the coach has to leave the thing. Now, it's not a, the, the rink. It's not a major thing. It's just to prevent other penalties from occurring, right? So I was like, all right. He stood in the rink, and he wasn't giving me a hassle anymore, so I decided to let him stay. The game happened without an issue. But that's basically, if you respect me, I'll respect you in a nutshell. Like, basically, if you're mean to me and you're ill-spirited, then you're going to be receiving a penalty if it warrants one. But if you're nice to me and you do something that crosses the line, I'm most likely going to give you a warning. That's basically what respect me and I'll respect you is about. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast, Ref Life, hosted by Ref Life Podcast. I know it's been a while. I know, I think my first episode was on November 16th or something like that. What to expect. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, and I appreciate all of you. Leave a comment and leave a rating to let me know what you think of it. Thanks, guys, and have a great one.